0: You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com.
1: Welcome to the hundredth episode installment. I still don't know what the fuck to call these things. The hundredth installment of the Savage Lovecast. We have done 100 of these, which means we're just a few away. From our second year anniversary, but our 100th episode, oh my god, everyone, friends hit 100. And in, to mark the 100th episode of the Savage Lovecast, we're dedicating the entire show to the embattled, vulnerable, weak, collapsing, rapidly deteriorating, super-sacred institution of holy matrimonial marriage, heterosexual variety. So we're only going to talk to straight married people today about their fucked-up straight marriages, and I'm going to do what I can, even though I am viciously discriminated against... All over this country. I'm going to do my part, my big gay part, to put these marriages back on their feet. Because that's what I'm here for. I'm really, really just a much more poorly paid version of Dr. Phil. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com savage today for details.
2: Hey, Dan. I am in my early 30s. I've been married about 10 years. Uh, My husband and I were each other's first back when we were uh, teenagers. And our sex life has been in the toilet for a number of years now, but it's getting progressively worse. Um, I would say that at this point, if we're having sex two or three times a month, that's a lot. Uh, We've gone upwards of eight weeks without sex. And this is not, uh, my choice. I, we have two small children, um, toddlers, uh, yeah, toddlers, preschoolers, and they came in relatively short order, uh, one after the other once we were able to have them. So to one degree, I understand that it's exhausting to have kids, but I'm not the one that's not wanting to have sex. Don't think he's cheating, um just looking for ideas of what I can do to help get things back on track. I am GGG, um, always open to try new things, uh, and he's just not talking about it or doesn't seem to think that there's a problem. We've been in counseling about this, and his response is always, I'm fine with it the way it is. You think that there's a problem. I think there's a major problem.
1: Now, some people would say perhaps your husband has said at these counseling sessions that a married couple together 10 years who have two small children that are having sex two to three times a month and once had a dry spell that lasted all of eight weeks are actually doing pretty well in the frequency department uh, and not falling too far behind. Um, So I want to throw that bone to your husband. However, you know, when you go to counseling with your spouse – and you lay out what the problem is and your spouse says, I'm fine with it the way it is. Uh, you think there's a problem. Uh, that's not an answer that the counselor should have let slide. And I hope the counselor didn't. If your spouse regards something as a problem, if your spouse is being made unhappy by X, then X is a problem for you too. It's not just something you can say, well, that's your issue, not my issue. Fuck you. You're married. You're like lashed together for as long as you're lashed together. Um and he can't just, sh- you know, shrug it off and walk away and say, your problem, bitch, and leave it on your lap. Now, I would encourage you, while your children are young, to accept the fact that your sex life will suffer and not to, you know, salt the earth here, not to have a scorched earth. Uh, policy toward your husband, not to let too much resentment build up. You know, it could be that in your role as mother, uh, you are particularly exhausted or and he is, you know, perceiving you in a new and different way because that, you know, parents of young children is sort of a, a role that is not very sexy, even in the eyes of our spouses and partners. You know, just between you and me, when my kid was young, we had a couple of eight-week dry spells, and they didn't spell the demise of our relationship. And I know we have a gay relationship, and there's no comparison comparing, you know, the sleazy, unholy, anti-biblical, bringer-of-hurricanes-and-floods gay relationships to your super-sacred institutional of matrimonial matrimony-mationship. Does that make any sense? Probably not. But I think there's some comparison. I think you have to chill out. You have to take a deep breath. He has to recognize that he has a problem, too. You have to take a deep breath. You have to remind yourself that your kids are going to grow up, that this might last a year or two. This dry spell, this infrequency spell, two, three times a month, could last a couple of years. And what you want to do is focus on maybe two years down the road. When your kids are a little older, they're not toddlers anymore, you don't have to watch them every second, they can, you know, dress themselves, brush their own goddamn teeth, and you won't be quite as exhausted. And you should focus now on the sex life that hopefully you'll be having again in two years, and you will only be having that sex life in two years if you don't have a scorched earth policy toward your husband now, and he doesn't have a scorched earth policy to you. I think when you are parents of young children, there is sort of, make good stopgap sex you can have, where it's going to be less frequent, it's going to be a little bit more rushed, uh, it's going to be cozier and more relaxed and less athletic, Uh, it'll involve fewer props and costumes, where you are intimate, you physically pleasure each other, where you do basically the bare minimum to keep each other satisfied, keep each other milked, keep each other pleasured, while acknowledging that the sex you're having now isn't as spectacular and it's not As you know, it's not adequate. Uh, It's not everything that you want it to be. But then hopefully down the road a ways you can ramp back up when you're less, you know, the exhausted parents in each other's eyes and your kids are a little bit older. Um, However, you know, I want to qualify all that with your husband has to accept that this is his problem, too, because his spouse is unhappy. And my advice to you is moot, really, if he can't get there.
3: Hi Dan, I am a 38-year-old mother um, with another one on the way and my husband of two years is several years younger and my problem is um, I've been with my husband for four years, married for two and we have an awesome relationship in terms of friendship, laughing, joking, talking smutty to each other, groping each other kissing, hugging, just being together. We love each other's company. Um, we're great parents together. Um, he's actually a stepfather <clears throat> to my two children, and we're having our first child together. So um, the problem is our sex life is just gone, and it seems like it's been an issue for quite a long time. Um, early in our relationship, it wasn't a problem. We had a very playful, raunchy, fun GGG sex life, and I think as soon as we got very intimate and very domesticated and very committed, things really slid, and it seems like it's not just him, although he does make excuses and try to justify our lack of sex life in a really kind way, um, I feel like he doesn't initiate very often, and I think it's also my fault because I don't feel very motivated, and, I, and I'm and i trying to figure out why, if it's because I don't feel desired because he doesn't initiate it enough, or if I honestly am relieved when we don't do it, because I just feel like by the time we get to bed, we're always so tired, and we're both real fans of yours, so I checked back in the archives to see if there's any issue like this, and I couldn't really find one exactly like it. I would just like to get our sex life back because it seems like the only time we manage to have sex is if we're on vacation in Europe and we're both completely wasted. So I'd like to be able to fit it back into our lives. I think it would make our marriage even better. Um, He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy, and he's gorgeous kind, hardworking, loving, sweet, wonderful person. Like, I I can't find fault with him at all. And I would like to have a strong, wonderful marriage, and I just think the sex life needs a lot of bolstering. And um, for a little background, I used to be wild and promiscuous and stuff like that. And this is like the first grown-up relationship I've really had where I've been treated so well. I don't know if that's a factor or not.
1: So I just listened to your 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 message to the Savage Lovecast. Uh, has anything changed since you recorded that? Should we just jump right in?
3: Um, it's only been you know a few days. So. Oh, okay.
1: Some of the questions are uh, a couple weeks old. I just like to check.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's um definitely been an ongoing thing, and it's definitely still happening.
1: Okay. So you said in your call to me that you know you, you want to make your marriage better, and you know what? Good sex, I, I I think it not only makes a marriage better, I think it makes a marriage possible. Um, mm-hmm. I know that in dealing with With my uh, boyfriend, and you have a lot of kids. You have two and one on the way?
3: Yeah. (laughs) And dealing
1: with my boyfriend, you know, the stresses daily in and out of parenting and, you know, being a couple, there's a lot of tension and, you know, grinding against each other sometimes in unpleasant ways. And I think the reason I haven't wrapped my hands around his throat and choked the life out of him. It's because I have this Pavlovian association with his face. I look at his face, and something in the back of my head goes, Don't kill him, don't kill him. That's the face you get to blow loads on. (laughs) Right. So you need to crawl back to there, especially if you have another kid coming.
3: Yeah, definitely. I I just feel like there's this something... It's an interesting thing, and I didn't bring it up in the phone call, but he does so much for me and and so much for the family Mm -hmm. that I feel like there might be some kind of latent not resentment on his part because he's so really he's really a kind person but i feel like he doesn't want to give a lot as far as foreplay and he's not I, I associate sex at this point with kind of not very pleasurable feelings because i never
1: because you're get not, worked
3: up enough because you're this.
1: not that aroused because he's not yeah. missing the time
3: And I feel so guilty even asking for more, and every now and then we'll have a little argument about it, Mm -hmm. and nothing really ever changes, and he kind of has a lot of excuses
1: for... Is he lousy in bed? Is he insecure and paranoid about being bad in bed? Um, Or is he just disinterested in, in foreplay?
3: I think he, I feel like, I can't read his mind, but I feel like in the back of his mind he's like, I'm too tired for foreplay. Mm -hmm. I I do enough. I do enough. And he never says that, but I feel like it's getting expressed in that way.
1: Okay, well we need to figure out a way that you guys can build some foreplay in where it's just not one more goddamn thing he has to get done today. Right. And you can take a little bit of responsibility for that, maybe. I
3: know. I feel like it's this kind of vicious cycle where I feel resentful because there's not foreplay, and he feels resentful because he has to do it, and i got to find a way to just break that up and mm-hmm. just,
1: you
3: know, you know, there is group.
1: There is something to male sexuality where guys can go from zero to 60 in an instant and sometimes enjoy it. You know, some guys enjoy it when it's, you know, rough and sudden and fast and over, because that 's kind of a male sexual response cycle uh-huh. pattern that is, that we should honor you know we we honor female sexual patterns of of response and arousal, and we you know we berate guys about you know they need to put in <laughs> the foreplay they need to do the work they need to to, to rev the rev their women up you can 't just dive in right right um, and and I agree with all that, and I say all that. Sometimes until I'm blue in the face, uh, but sometimes we need to like make allowances for the way guys work, and that there's something to that for some guys where they enjoy their ability to like ramp up go and be and get off and be done, and there's something about the rapidity of it that for guys a charge, and I'm not saying this to let your husband off the hook. All the time for the foreplay he's not doing and he should be doing. Right. But maybe if he could be off the hook for the foreplay sometimes.
3: And you know, and sometimes I get it. I mean, I get that.
1: And I'm not. Did but you? you're not. Let me finish. Let me finish. Sure. When he's off the hook for the foreplay sometimes, that doesn't mean he, you should be having sex when it's uncomfortable or unpleasant for you. I think that there may be times when you could ramp yourself up with toys, with through masturbation, with pornography. Okay. in advance of what's going to be a wham bam thank you ma'am, ma'am
3: okay okay well to be honest when i'm home by myself i i do peruse <laughs> a little bit so and then i just i want to have that kind of going on i don't know i just it just seems like by the time it's the end of the day
1: right uh, but there's know. nothing about you guys should battle your way towards a kind of open sexual Uh, you know, celebratory sexual relationship where, you know, you could say to him, you know what, I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to masturbate for a while and use this vibrator and read a little pornography. Why don't you come jump on me in 20 minutes? Okay. So that you're all ready to go when he gets there. And, you know, he's the star of the show and he walks on in the third act you know, and, and gets to deliver But he doesn't feel responsible for your foreplay Now I don't want to, I don't think you should make him eternally Not responsible for your foreplay But perhaps if you can alleviate some of the burden Where sometimes you you know, Expect him to eat your pussy and roll around And finger fuck you and kiss you and talk to you And turn you on And then climb on And sometimes though you know what honey I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to get all ready to go And all you got to bring me is your hard dick Okay. In half an hour you get the kids to bed and then you come fucking fuck the shit out of me.
3: That really solves a lot of problems actually. Why not? Yeah, I appreciate that. I just he's a little wholesome sometimes and I <laughs> I think that's something he would really appreciate. And afraid. you know what
1: I'd say about a wholesome good guy? <laughs> Most of the people I've known who were wholesome good folks had something dark going on.
3: I think there is. I think
1: and not, not, I don't mean that in a sinister way. And He's an axe murderer and, you know, he's secretly planning to, to make a coat out of your skin. Right. I mean that he may have desires or kinks or fetishes that he feels are so in conflict with his self-image and the person that he likes to be, which is this good guy who's taking care of you, who's stepping up to the plate and helping raise your kids, these kids that aren't biologically related to him. Uh-huh. And you may want to say to him, you know what, if there's something that you want to do, if there are turn-ons you have, I want to be the person who makes your, your sexual fantasies happen. And the person with whom you have these sexual adventures, tell me anything. And then, you know, when you say that... As a lady Uh To a guy You can't then Don't be surprised When what comes out of his mouth Has nothing to do with like A hundred candles lit in the bathroom And rose petals in the fucking tub
3: Something nasty
1: It'll be something nasty
3: (laughs) I hope so, kind of (laughs) Only guys on
1: Friends I don't know why I keep bringing up Friends tonight Only guys on Friends Are into like Candles and flower fucking petals Right
3: (laughs) And I'm a little dirty So it's funny because I've I've definitely had to dial that
1: down. You should, like a... you should give him permission to dial it up. You guys should start writing each other letters. Okay. So you don't have to look each other in the eye when you talk about your fantasies and start talking fantasies. And do, do a sort of upping the ante swab where I'll tell you something that I feel is a little naughty. You tell me something you feel that you can top that with that's a little naughty. And back and forth. It's very gradual and you can get a sense of where he's at sexually. Okay. But in the short run, masturbate, let him fuck you the way he wants to fuck you. With a full fucking hall pass No guilt, no resentment And hopefully soon he'll stop looking at you Like one more goddamn thing He has to get done And then when you require some foreplay of him He can give it to you joyously As opposed to begrudgingly
3: I think I'm gonna do that, and I think you're so correct. And I think it's gonna really let him off the hook a little, like you said. Um, Maybe he'll be much more receptive. I mean, I'll try. I'll let you know how it goes because I haven't even tried that approach at all. So
1: try it. Give us a call back.
3: Thank you so much, Dan. You're
1: welcome. Bye bye. Bye. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from. You can download them and play them back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. And I just checked, and they have all of Barack Obama's books and all of John McCain's books. Uh, so if you're thinking about voting for Barack Obama... Can go download his book today for free. If you're thinking about voting for John McCain, fuck you. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for your free audiobook today.
4: Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a 44-year-old guy, uh, married for 10 years, been in a relationship with her for 20. Um, basically, after... The first year of, uh, I guess, natural curiosity, our sex life has been uh, empty. We don't have sex, basically. Up until a couple of years ago, it might have happened once or twice a year, and uh, since then, nothing. Uh, I've always cheated on her with um, massage and prostitutes, and um, I suspect that she knows, but it's never been come out me open. Anyway, in the last few years, um, I didn't even do that. I kind of lost all sexual interest completely. And uh, then two years ago, I started going for coffee with somebody at work. And to make a long story short, we've been having an affair for two years, and it's phenomenal. The sex is just amazing. I feel she's the one I was meant to be with. She feels the same way. We want to get out of our marriages. I won't go into uh, her problem. She can call you if she uh, wants to about how to get out of her marriage. But the problem is with me that my wife, um, I'm still emotionally very, very close to her, even though um, we don't have sex. We're very good friends. The relationship is very, very strong every other way. And she seems incapable of accepting uh, what's happened. I haven't told her about the other woman, but I have told her I want out of the marriage. And um, basically, you name it, she's, uh, she's done it. Heartbreaking emails, threats, tears, and it's just getting worse. Um, it's been two weeks since I told her. And I'm just wondering if you have any uh, coping skills you could pass on. I know you're not the most tactful You think I'm a big pussy for not just leaving. But um, any way I can make this easier for her?
1: Here's how you make it easier for her. You rip the fucking Band-Aid off already. The heartbreaking emails, the threats, the tears. These are tactics she's trying to prevent... You from doing what you've told her you intend to do, which is leave. So long as you have not yet left, she will continue employing these tactics. So far, they're successful to stay your hand, to keep you there, to 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 prevent you from divorcing her. Um, you know, I'll say it for the reader or for the listeners who are thinking it. It sounds like she'd be well rid of you. Uh, you've cheated on her all your life, seen prostitutes, and you're having an affair right now. Like, do her the fucking favor of going already. She may not regard it right now as a favor. She may one day soon. And the sooner you fucking go already, the sooner she'll reach a place where she can recognize that she's better off without you than she was with you.
5: Hi, Dan. I am a 34-year-old married male. And I have a question. I know you've said that... All partners should come with oral, and my problem's a little different. I would really, really love to go down on my wife, um, but she's just not up for it. When we were dating, um, we used to do oral all the time, um, totally GGG, but then probably six or seven years ago, it's just gone. Um, I was wondering if you had any advice for me.
1: So I just listened to your message. Uh, we got you in your car, so we apologize to listeners for the quality of this call. But hey, cell phones are the future. So is brain cancer. Now, your wife won't let you go down on her.
5: She won't. Um, she used to a, a while ago, but um, what changed? What happened? You know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, frankly, you know, when we first met, um, she was the model that came with oral, and I was the one that didn't. And, you know, once I actually got that option added, you know, I found out that I really liked it. Mm-hmm. But then it turned out that she didn't. And, and she claims that, you know, that it's not that I'm not good or anything like that, but um, she's just not interested for some reason. How
1: long have you been cut off?
5: Um, oh, a couple of years now, I mean, uh, Yeah, I mean, she, she she used to say, you know, well, eventually, or not, not this time, or maybe next time, but... You know, a couple of weeks becomes a couple of months, becomes a couple of years.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's two things you can do here. Uh, you can encourage her to regard oral not as something you do for her, you going down on her, but as something she does for you. That if it's just that she doesn't want you doing it because she's indifferent, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't turn her crank anymore for whatever reason, you could ask her. You know, I want to go down on you to turn me on. And so if you could just lay back and think of England while I bury my face in your pussy, that would be awesome. I mean, if it works for you when it's not about her pleasure, when it's just about your pleasure.
5: Right, and and, and, uh, I've actually talked to her and said, you know, that this is something that really turns me on, it gets me into the mood. Um, And she says, yeah, she knows that, she understands, but still, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, she says that it turns around when I do it and that I'm good at it, Um, but certainly, you know, I don't feel that confident, um, you know. After a couple of years, uh. what
1: does she want? What does she want to do when you guys?
5: Work? Um, pretty much it's gone plain vanilla now.
1: Mhm. And you've been together for how long, again?
5: Oh gosh, for 15 years now.
1: 15 years. Wow. Well, she's got to ramp it back up for you. You've been together 15 years. Have you ever had a dip like this before, like a fallow period?
5: Um I mean yeah i mean I mean to be honest it's it's been i mean when it first started out, it was all hot and heavy, like most relationships are, and kind of peters down and it picks back up and then it peters down, but in terms of the oral it's been pretty much um,
1: all petering down,
5: all petering down
1: yeah i mean in a long term relationship, there are going to be you know the tide goes out sometimes and it goes out for a while. And, and then it comes roaring back in, and you can prevent—you know—you can prevent the tide actually from coming by treating it, having receded, as a you know a permanent situation, and going going scorched earth, as I said to a caller earlier. You know, making it a really contentious issue. So I, I'm going to give you contradictory advice. You can go to her and say, <laughs> "Let me do this. I insist. Please do it for me. I love you." I'd be a little bit. Uh, assertive about it, or you can say, you know what, right now this isn't working for her, I'm not going to make an issue of it, hopefully it'll come back into our lives. And I would hope that you could, if not full oral, get a little near oral in. Like, are you allowed to put your face on her thigh? Are you allowed to put your face (laughs) at her belly button or a little below? Are you allowed to be in the general vicinity?
5: Well, the other problem is that she's quite ticklish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's, that's what restraints are for. God, it sounds like you should draw her out. Get her stoned. Get her drunk. See, Do you guys have kids? We do. Okay, get her drunk. Get her stoned. Like, tell her that she's too young and still too beautiful to calcify like this, to become set in her ways, to see herself as not fully sexual. And that a lot of women, as they get older, find themselves coming into their own sexually. That A lot of women find they don't discover their kinks uh, and their non-normative desires until they're in their 30s. And you should encourage her to think outside the box, for lack of a better term, and, and regard her sex life as an adventure again, like it was when you first met. And tell her you want these things for her because you love her and you want her to be fulfilled and you want her to have fun not just because you're dissatisfied
5: right and I, tr- I try not to make it about me um, and, and try to make it about our enjoyment together um, but you know just
1: but then I would say to her step up to the fucking plate you've got to be willing to go there But does she value her marriage I, really I presume
5: had... so pardon I presume so. Um, you know, at first I thought it was because she was Catholic, but then it turns out she just went to Catholic school. She's not really Catholic. I'm Catholic. <laughs> I'm but,
1: sure uh, if there was like a webcam from my house, your wife would have a heart attack. It sounds like, and I'm totally Catholic.
5: No, I thought it was just you know that I she just crossed myself had... before I said my boyfriend's face. <laughs> uh, I thought she was you know scarred by by the Catholic upbringing, but no, she's she's a <laughs> confirmed atheist. So. She, um, I don't know, you know, she's just, over the years, has kind of backed away from the variety of things we've done, the variety of places, to it's pretty much a set period of time in the bedroom, you know.
1: (laughs) That's not good. That's not good. You have to tell her, and now I'm going to contradict myself, it's what I do. Uh, They pay me for it. Um, You know, you tell her that you want this to be about her, you want it to be about her pleasure, but it's also a problem, as I said to the first uh, caller, on, on the, the webcast today it's a problem for her and she should re- she should recognize that it's a problem for her that you're dissatisfied that, 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 that you're not having the sort of sexually adventurous um, fulfilling intercourse with her that you would like to that's awesome that you're together 15 years and she's still the focus of your sexual fantasies and desires a lot of guys who've been with women for 15 years want to eat pussy just not their wives pussy <laughs> And she's got to step up. Okay. If she's interested in the long-term survival of marriage, because right now I'm seeing seeds of you cheating in three or four or five years if this continues to deteriorate. Well,
5: probably Before not cheating, get
1: but... shoved off the menu and it becomes more and more rote and routine and boring
5: and static. It's, it's not so much that there's a threat of me cheating as that, that I just there withdraw is. from her. I, I withdraw from her more. Um
1: and you don't have the Pavlovian and, Association that I mentioned earlier, it's so important, right. which is, I look at you and I see all the orgasms I had in your presence and think, wow, I better not kill you or leave you, <laughs> right? Right. All right, well, uh, good luck with it. I know I gave you advice oh, you. all over the map. You pick the chunk of contradictory uh, advice and decide which one you're gonna run with, and well, that doesn't work, take right. the other chunk.
6: Well, I've got a menu now to choose from. Okay. Thank you, thank you very much. Bye. Hey, uh, Dan. Uh, Ever since uh, this uh, matter between Georgia and Russia boiled up, I have had something on my mind. I, I married a Moscow girl, and we have a good marriage. I mean, we have a daughter. It's all good, pretty much. I mean, we have our issues, but I've been more worried recently about serious conflict in the international political world muscling in on our relationship because I mean yeah, other of us are especially political and you know she's got her, her you know maybe kind of standard Russian patriotic views and I have my own but you know politics hasn't been a huge issue for us so I find myself worried presently that maybe something bad would happen that would uh, you know, cause a serious disagreement between us and, um, you know, like war. And I understand that, you know, if war between the West and Russia breaks out in the near future, there's more at stake than my relationship and my family. But it's important to me. So, I'd like to know if you have any advice for people who, uh, Find themselves on opposite sides of a conflict.
1: You know, if we really get into it with Russia over Georgia, if it's war, you and your wife and your daughter are going to be vaporized. And there won't be time to have a conflict because it'll be thermonuclear war and we'll all be dead and the planet will die and humanity will be wiped. Don't fucking worry about it. Sounds like your wife's already agreed to disagree if there's a disagreement that has not yet come on this issue so let it go stop picking the scab georgia ain't worth it all right we are not all georgians despite what you may have heard john mccain say we ain't let it go your wife may be a russian nationalist she may be very proud of her country she may think putin is purdy and doing all the right things and you may disagree and you can just resolve not to fucking talk about it which you already did so why are you calling me this is not a problem and if it gets to be a problem we're all going to be vapor and it won't be a problem
0: hi dan i'm a 28 year old female i've been married to my husband for five years we've been together 10 years just under 10 years uh so you can do the math and Figure out how long we've been together. Uh, during that whole time, my husband has struggled with depression and anxiety. And as of late, he's really trying to take the bull by the horns, uh, going into therapy, changing his medication up a little bit to really try to deal with his problems with anxiety. Uh, throughout the whole ten- our whole ten year relationship, he has never had a problem with sex, and we've o- he's always been very uh, sexual with me, very uh, into it, and way more than I been, which makes this new problem kind of interesting, Uh, the new medication that he is on seems to have really shot his libido to hell. He has almost no desire, um, and he realizes that this is a very big problem. Um, He still tries, and then once he tries, he can't come. And we are actually in this process of trying to have a baby. Um, I went off the pill about three months ago, and we've been trying since then. And he tells me that the pressure of trying to perform and get me pregnant is a big issue. Um, but he also says that the problems with medication are a big issue as well. Uh, I'm not used to being the one who desperately wants it. Um, <laughs> that's usually him and I reciprocate. So this is a whole new a whole new ball of wax for me. Um, My question to you is, um, his therapist said to give the medication a month and see if these side effects go away. I was wondering, um, since we both know that, you know, we're trying to have a baby and we both really kind of want each other, just, you know, the follow-through, that's the problem, uh, is there something that you have in your experience or maybe with your doctor friend that would really help? Do we need to, to have sex longer, more foreplay? Like, what is going to help the issue of his um, desire and his inability to come? Um, and I know that this is all a problem that's just been recent. So it's definitely tied up with either the baby thing or with the
1: um, medication thing. Maybe he doesn't want to have a baby. Just throwing that out there. Um, You know, meds, uh, those kind of meds, can inhibit orgasm and can really negatively impact libido. Uh, it sounds like he already went to the doctor about it and talked about the problem. So it's not like he isn't willing to address it and the doctor came back with, give it a month. Give it a month for your body and libido and everything else to adjust and we'll see then if we need to change meds or adjust the meds that he's on to restore his libido and his ability to come." Um, that's not unreasonable to wait a month. You only went off the pill a couple of months ago. Uh, Another month or two uh, isn't going to make that much of a difference uh, in the grand scheme of getting pregnant. So I think you should chill out, take a deep breath, uh, worry first about his mental health, second about um, all the eggs you're spitting out into your uh, spunk-free vaginal canal, and give him some time. And take the pressure off a little bit. You know, if he's been, dep- if he's, you know, has a history of depression, uh, and you're excited about getting pregnant now and having a child with him, and he's a little dubious about it, or insecure about it, or worried about it, or it's tweaking his depression or his anxiety, which is entirely reasonable. Having a child should induce anxiety, even in the, you know the healthiest of us. He may need some time to adjust, and you may have to give him that time. I would say that this. Would be more of a problem or a problem worth uh, you know really going to the mattresses about if it had gone on for three or four or five or six months and not just – not even yet a month. Give him some time. Call off the dogs. Tell him he's not – there's no gun to the back of his head. He hasn't, doesn't have to get you pregnant tonight or tomorrow night or the next night and let the meds do what they're supposed to do and let his doctor who's involved do what he's supposed to do and let your boyfriend catch his breath and take his time. And get there, and uh, or your husband get there, and I and he will, he will. Just I think you need to chill, and that'll help him get there. Well, I hope we saved a few marriages today, uh, particularly that guy who saw those prostitutes was cheating on his uh, wife and thinking about leaving her. Um, Especially him. That's a marriage that I especially would be proud to say that I saved. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the Savage Love Cast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, please do. Include your name and number so we can give you a call back if we care to. Once again, that number, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. And uh, me and the tech savvy at-risk youth will be back at you next week with the 101st installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening, everybody. We have a blast.